Welcome to the Bioneers, Revolution from the Heart of Nature. Water is one of the greatest disruptors in the world. Not because of water, but because of mankind. We created this water crisis that is now the number one global risk. But water is also the biggest opportunity. And we can use water in the right sense of the word of using to get to approaches that will build a more resilient and sustainable world. And then water is the convening power. It's all alive. It's all connected. It's all intelligent. It's all relatives. We stand at the threshold of a historic opportunity in the human experiment to reimagine how to live on Earth in ways that honor the web of life, each other, and future generations. It's a revolution from the heart of nature and the human heart. In this series, The Bioneers, Revolution from the Heart of Nature, we celebrate social and scientific innovators with breakthrough solutions for restoring people and planet, creating a future environment of hope. Support for the Bioneers Revolution from the Heart of Nature is provided in part by Organic Valley Family of Farms, funding also provided by a grant from the Park Foundation, and by the generous support of listeners like you. Each year on the U.S. East Coast, the Army Corps of Engineers trucks in large quantities of sand to replenish the beaches the current takes away. Each year, the current takes it away again and the Army Corps comes in and pours sand back on the beaches. There's a budget for it that no one challenges. The Netherlands looked for a different approach. Observing nature's ways, they found the current doesn't take away the sand, it brings the sand, but rings it a little further out. So they built a sand island offshore. Now the current distributes the sand from the island to the beaches. They call it a sand engine. What can nature teach us? How can we live with nature and work with it? After all, when you fight nature, you lose. In the face of escalating climate disruption and extreme storms and floods, the World Economic Forum in 2015 spotlighted water as the number one global risk. The World Bank warned that the assets at risk because of sea level rise, storm surges, and intense rainfall and storms add up to the trillions. Climate disruption threatens most of the world's coastal megacities, which could become the new Atlantis. Our infrastructures are so not ready. As the Dutch show, what's required is a different way of seeing, a kind of sand engine of the mind. What's also required is a different way of being, moving from individualism to collaboration on regional scales. In this half hour, we visit with Dutch water wizard and designer, Henk Ovink who's showing how people are shifting our relationship to nature and to culture and finding breakthrough solutions. This is Welcome the Water, Climate Proofing for Resilience. My name is Neil Harvey. I'll be your host. Welcome to the Bioneers, revolution from the heart of nature. All risks, economic, cultural, ecological, environmental, man-made, increase in impact and frequency. So in other words, we'll have more and it's going to be worse. All those crises 
are interrelated, both in the origin, where they come from, as well as in the impact. And an interrelationship from origin and impact makes it possible actually to mitigate and adapt. This is how we can change the world. So there is a way forward. Hank Ovink is one of the world's leading visionaries on designing sustainable infrastructures to meet the challenge of climate disruption. He's the Netherlands Special Envoy of International Water Affairs. He says we need to radically rethink our ways of living by looking at whole systems. I call it a transformative approach and it depends on four things. We need to have a long-term vision. But long-term visions are paper. They end up in bookshelves of policymakers and whoever what. So you always need to have vision connected with interventions, projects, small, granular, big, money-driven, cultural-driven, heart-driven, mind-driven. And that's an engine. It's something that works over and over again. How do you get there? Of course, you need money for that. But this is not about only federal dollars or private sector funding or going to Wall Street. No, again, this is a collaborative effort where you bring public and private partnerships in a transparent way. And in the process itself, it should be collaborative and inclusive. As a nation that's 60% below sea level, the Netherlands has a unique, richly innovative, and very long history of water management. Water boards that date back to the Middle Ages manage long-range infrastructure planning in every region. It's a nation that has continually had to reclaim land from the sea's encroachment. The result is a society devoted to communal problem solving. And now rising sea levels have forced an even more radical approach let the water in. Take the Room for the River initiative. Implemented in 2015, 39 projects focused on the Delta region where four large rivers run together. As director of Holland's Office of Spatial Planning and Water Infrastructure, Hank Ovink says that the programs that succeed are actually about building ecosystems and building a culture of collaboration. We started with building with nature making more room for the water instead of less, opening up dams and dikes. And that's a problem because people have to get out of the way of that water. And how would you do that? When you talk to a farmer that's been living there for generations, that you would actually say, well, we need your land because it's good for the country. That all starts again with collaboration. Room for the River is a project that's now implemented, and this is one of them, the Overdeepse Polder where all these farmers had to leave because we needed it for water storage. But we changed the whole program by working together with those farmers, the families, our Army Corps of Engineers, our engineers and designers, and came up with a new model of creating farm buildings on high parcels of land. So the farmers could stay, the cattle could stay, and they live now with water. It took 10 years. We built our country out of water in our cities, and we used that approach to institutionalize something that is actually very cultural. But if we face it all over the world, how can we create that culture, this transformative approach when it comes to water, to other places in the world? How can we bring room for the river to Bangladesh? How can we bring it to Indonesia, to Egypt, to New York, for instance, Myanmar, Mozambique, Poland, Vietnam, Colombia, or perhaps even San Francisco? 
My task as an envoy is to create alliances all over the world, in the developing world as much as in the developed world, to strengthen a collaboration that is dedicated to increase water resiliency. In 2015, the Dutch government appointed Ovink as special envoy on international water affairs. He had already been working globally, including in the U.S., rebuilding after Hurricane Katrina. As fate would have it, six weeks after Hurricane Sandy devastated New York City and parts of New Jersey and Connecticut, the U.S. Secretary of Housing and Urban Development, Sean Donovan, was vacationing in Europe. President Obama had just appointed him to lead the Sandy Rebuilding Task Force. Donovan decided to hop over to the Netherlands to learn about Holland's acclaimed water management innovations. Hank Ovink was his guide. Destiny was in the air. Hank Ovink spoke with us at a Bioneers conference. And we toured the country. We saw projects. We met with a bunch of people that worked on city or in research institutes. We saw big infrastructure. Our Maaslandkering, which is our big storm surge barrier for the city of Rotterdam. We went to Amsterdam, saw the new metro with the sluices inside of the metro that protect actually the city of Amsterdam for flooding. Went to Kampen where there's actually man-made, like a, a protection system to protect the city that's put in place every time there is a high tide or when the water is high in the river. So I toured him around and sometimes you have it. You become friends the first minute you meet. And this is what happened with Sean and I. Actually, I wrote him an email while he was on the plane and uh, saying, Dear Sean, it was great meeting you and having you in the Netherlands. If you think, as I think, that Sandy is a game changer, then I would really like to work with you on the task force to see how we can actually use Sandy as a way to push the United States forward in their resiliency efforts. I wrote my first advice. He invited me over in February, and he, then he asked me to join the task force. Because Sandy hit New York City, Ovink recognized that it could become a game-changing global model for the new 21st century reality of living with climate disruption and a shift to working with nature. Donovan appointed Ovink as senior advisor to help find the most effective ways to spend federal funds to make the area resilient. And the need to do something, being acknowledged by the president, the mayor and the governors, but also by the communities and businesses in that region. This all together, having the focus of the world on a place, bringing political attention, having billions of dollars from the Congress to rebuild the region, made it into an opportunity to say, if we can deliver change here and innovation, we can scale it up. Scale it up not only to other places in the US, but to the rest of the world. We can set an example on a new standard of resiliency and an innovation. And if we do it transparent, open and inclusive, we can actually collaborate with the world so everybody can learn and use that collaboration and information and innovation to bring on other places on the world. So I really thought that if we could use this momentum and create out of this opportunity this huge approach that would have a catalytic impact around the world, that was my vision when I started to work there. Hank Ovink knew that true climate resilience requires a systems approach that integrates ecology, economy, infrastructures, weather extremes, and culture. But he couldn't say exactly what approaches were appropriate. 
He told the Sandy Task Force it wasn't even clear yet what the problem was. They were looking at a large region with complex vulnerabilities the storm had revealed. But they hadn't gotten to the interdependencies and the nuts and bolts, much less the opportunities. Hank Ovink recommended an unusual process, a competition. Open source the solutions. And I developed Rebuild by Design, a competition that was aimed at innovation, increasing resiliency in the region. First, I needed a safe place, a place where it was not about negotiation, but about collaboration. And you know it, most of the times collaborations end up in a mess, because everybody wants to get the best for themselves. And then themselves might be a smaller group in that collaboration, but it's tough. So changing the perspective from negotiation to collaboration demands a safe place. It also demands a detour, a sidestep out of the institutional gridlock we're in, not aligned with current policy or regulations because they will always fail. Innovation in itself is conflictuous with a current condition. So if you want to focus on something new that actually has transformative capacity, don't care about rules and regulations, create a place where you actually institutionalize that not caring by working together and being very transparent, again. And never blame our politicians that they're short-sighted. We elect them only for a short period of time. So what are you supposed to do if you only have four years to deliver something? No. That promise actually is a burden on us, professionals, to work with them and inform them about the facts of yesterday, the facts of today, and the opportunities and possibilities of tomorrow. If we can inform as a professional crowd, our politicians and policymakers from this broad scope, they will become better decision makers. A normal approach would focus on the technical part, solving the problem, engineering. You know, an engineer, has a solution before the problem exists. A designer has a question before there is actually a problem. So you have to create this mix of where the technical parts becomes opportunistic. And at the same time, add ambition. Two degrees, we say. Two degrees is too much. We know that when it comes to climate change. So add the ambition for transformative capacity. And forget about superheroes, they don't exist. It's all about the talent of the world meeting the talent of these regions and these places. And there is no distinction between those talents. Everyone's at the same table with the same position. Otherwise, these processes will fail. Hank Ovink's biggest concerns working in the U.S. were the culture of individualism and fragmented jurisdictions. Because once the competition was over, it was all about collaboration with nature and each other. More when we return. This is Welcome the Water, Climate Proofing for Resilience. I'm Neil Harvey. You're listening to The Bioneers, revolution from the heart of nature.
To explore all available Bioneers radio shows, video programming, and more from Hank Ovink, please visit Bioneers.org. The Rebuild by Design concept attracted $4 million in startup funding from six foundations, including the Rockefeller Foundation. Those funds would soon leverage nearly a billion dollars in federal disaster recovery funds. Ovink and his colleagues put out the call to the world's talent. They drew 148 proposals from interdisciplinary teams of engineers, designers, social scientists, ecologists, environmentalists, former politicians, and policymakers. They selected 10 teams, which began research in hotspot areas to uncover vulnerabilities and opportunities. Now, the competition turned to collaboration. The teams were required to build coalitions, investors, businesses, community organizations, people in government, and the insurance industry. I think that research phase, building that understanding, got to finding the best opportunities, of course, but it was also critical in building capacity, capacity amongst communities of understanding their vulnerabilities, understanding what climate change really meant, making it tangible instead of abstract, and making them partners in a process to get to resilient solutions that would make their communities more resilient. Building capacity amongst institutional partners like government in the sense that helping them understand that the way forward could actually encompass this innovative approach and that climate change, although a threat, is also an opportunity to build off on and to build projects that can actually have a catalytic impact. Those 10 coalitions devised specific solutions for their communities. Six were selected by the Rebuild by Design jury and funded with nearly a billion federal dollars. One was the Big U. It's a protective system around the edges of Manhattan designed to shield the city against floods and stormwater, while also providing fund community spaces. The proposal included berms planted with trees and shrubs that protect against floodwaters but also provide attractive places for socializing and relaxing. Another area has deployable walls that can be flipped down before floodwaters arrive. The walls are painted by local artists. When they're flipped up, they add a decorative ceiling above the East River Esplanade. Another team that was selected is the Scape Team on Staten Island. And Staten Island is severely impacted by any storm. So Sandy impacted the coast enormously, but any northeaster is eating away uh, the shore. Also because the natural barriers that used to be there are gone. The natural habitat for fish and oysters is devastated by men. So the team started to make like a merger between all these different needs. Community needs to access the water and learn about it environmental and ecological needs to increase ecological quality, create better habitat for fish and oysters to grow on, and search reduction. So they came up with the plan of an artificial reef structure that can become a natural habitat. So they developed eco-concrete, which is an imitation of concrete but on an ecological base. They will build this superstructure underwater and above water where fish can live and oysters can grow. But the structure offshore actually reduces the surge. So any normal storm now after this structure is built will not hit the shore. So it will save a huge amount of dollars 
of replenishing that beach and restoring it, and also creating a great environment for families and kids to enjoy the water uh, because you have this safe place. And then the water again is enhanced in its quality, and then we have oysters again. Before you know it, we might even be able to eat them. So this is, you know, creating, recreating the habitat of this place by uh, building this environmental protection scheme. Hank Oving says the projects were chosen for their transformative capacity. They also showed the federal government could be innovative. Another dangerous vulnerability that always surfaces after events like Sandy is social inequity. Inevitably, it's low-income communities and communities of color that suffer first and worst all over the world. Yet water shows vividly that we're all connected and no one is safe unless everyone is safe. It's like a magnifying glass. So you see where poor people live in poor places. Not only in New York or in California, also in Africa and Europe, in the Netherlands too. Vulnerable communities live in vulnerable places. But you also not only see that mix between social disrupture and physical disrupture in the sense of water, Sandy brought the water through the whole region. So carrying all pollution that is in our system through those places where vulnerable communities live. And then most of the times, vulnerable communities live in places at risk, close to chemical facilities sometimes, or in this case, the storage of Agent Orange. The sandy water, because of the pollution in those places, was so contaminated that it contaminated the soil. So the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, put big marks around those playgrounds so the kids would not play there. So, yes, surges like Sandy make it tougher for vulnerable communities, not only because they live in a poor place, but because a lot of these risks come together there. So they already have a harder time to get back on their feet. And getting all these risks together in the same place makes it even harder for them. So vulnerability is like this increasing factor in those places. That also means that you can focus your innovative and collaborative approaches there. Bringing those community into the game actually makes it possible to come up with innovative solutions for them. Two billion people around the world will be affected by too much water and nearly another two billion by not enough water. It's already costing 15% of local and regional GDPs. Water is already a flashpoint for global conflicts and upheavals, and it will get worse. Water crises in the Middle East from Tunisia to Syria have helped ignite civil wars and mass migrations. Ethiopia and Egypt are rattling sabers over access to the Nile River after Ethiopia proposed building a dam so that its people have better access to water. The moment Ethiopia started to build the dam or develop the plans, Egypt, of course, wanted to bomb, you know, Ethiopia. This is war. Through multilateral and international collaboration, we prevented that that was going to happen. If you really ask me by heart, what is my vision for the world? Of course, peace. I mean, my vision is not about dams and dikes and levees. They will always be there. That's nice. That's fine. We can make them. My vision is more about can we make the connection where water is the connector between economy and ecology, between culture, between women's rights and kids' education, 
between cultural change. We know the dependency of water in our economy is huge. The dependency for water to getting energy is enormous. The dependency on water when it gets to food is clear and critical. So the moment we forget water, everything fails. So my vision on the world of water is that we try to figure out how these connections work all over the world and come up with collaborative and inclusive processes that build change and have a transformative capacity for all and not create war. Climate change is not the threat. We're the threat. It's not abstract. It's very real and we have to start now to change. So water can be the magnifier for disasters, the magnifier for wrong man-made decisions, the magnifier that actually changed the world for the worst. But it can also be the convening power for transformative change that can build a better world if we start to do that together. As Hank Ovink suggests, climate-proofing our future is not engineering. It's about creating peace, because water brings us together and can bind us together. Welcome the water, climate-proofing for resilience. You can see and hear more from Hank Ovink and explore more Bioneers radio programs, podcasts, and videos online at Bioneers.org. For information on attending the National Bioneers Conference and Bioneers events in your area, please visit Bioneers.org or call 1-877-BIONEER. The Bioneers Revolution from the Heart of Nature is a production of Bioneers and Collective Heritage Institute. Executive producer, Kenny Osabel. Written by Kenny Osabel. Senior producer and station relations, Stephanie Welch. Host and consulting producer, Neil Harvey. Program engineer, Emily Harris. Production assistants, Tina Rubio and Melanie Choi. Interview recording engineer, Emily Harris. Our theme music is co-written by the Baca Forest People of Cameroon and Baca Beyond from the album East to West. All royalties from Baca compositions and performances go to the Baca Forest People through the charity Global Music Exchange. Find out more at globalmusicexchange.org. Additional music was made available by Sounds True at soundstrue.com. For more music information, please visit bioneers.org. The opinions expressed in the Bioneers Revolution from the Heart of Nature are those of the presenters and are not necessarily those of Bioneers and Collective Heritage Institute, the underwriters, or this radio station. My name is Neil Harvey. Thank you for listening. I invite you to join the Bioneers in inspiring a shift to live on Earth in ways that honor the web of life, each other, and future generations. This is program number 0216. This program was made possible in part by Organic Valley's pasture-raised organic dairy products, 
bringing the good from our family farmers to your table at organicvalley.coop. Funding also provided by a grant from the Park Foundation, dedicated to heightening public awareness of critical issues, and by the generous support of listeners like you.